Welcome to Swarupa Vidya Ashram. My name is Swami Nirmalananda. Each audio is a discourse that I offered at a satsang, a free meditation program, and was followed by meditation. These teachings address the underlying questions of life. Who am I? Why am I here? How do I do what I came here to do? I went to my guru with these same questions. While he gave me the teachings I share here, most importantly, he gave me the inner experience they describe. This is why I teach, to share the same with you, both the theory and the inner experience of your own inherent divinity. The bliss of consciousness is your birthright. Meditate and discover that you are greater than you could ever imagine. Om Namah Shivaya Gurave Satchidananda Murtaye Nishpapanchaya Shantaya Niralambaya Tejase Murtanandaya Gurave Shisha Samsara Harane Bhakta Kayaika Dehaya Namaste Chitsaratmane Heta Veja Gatameva Samsara Nava Setave Prabhave Saiva Vidyanam Shambhave Gurave Namaha Guru Brahma Guru Vishnu Guru Devo Maheshwara Guru Sakshat Parabrahma Jasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Om Swarupa Swaswabhava Namo Namaha Om I bow to my own self. I bow to my Baba's own self. I bow to his Baba's own self. I bow to your own self, your own beingness, your own existence, your own self, O Shiva. Again and again I bow. Om Swarupa Swaswa Bhava Namo Namah. Giving and receiving. You have to let down your guard to receive. Some people prefer to live with their guard up all the time. It's exhausting, I have to say. I know, because I used to live that way until I met Baba. With him, I discovered that if I kept my guard up, I didn't get what he was giving. And what he was giving, I wanted. Baba gave out enlightenment. And I wanted it. It's like if someone was giving out a million dollars. There have been TV commercials where a person answered a knock on their front door to find a man standing there with an oversized check for a million dollars. Publisher's Clearing House. Wow. 
These days, a million isn't enough. It needs to be 10 million or 100 million. Only then will people pay attention. Now it's the lottery, especially mega millions or Powerball. The biggest prize ever was just given out two months ago, $2 billion from a ticket sold at a gas station. Makes you want to run out and buy the ticket, right? You want it? Your odds are one in 302 million people. Baba's odds were better. (laughs) Baba was giving away enlightenment. He didn't teach 300 million people. I know a number who have gotten enlightened. It's a much better prize along with much better odds. How could he give out enlightenment? How could he do that? What's his secret? In one of his Q&A books, he answered a question about this. Someone asked Baba about the many people who were at one of his programs. Will they all get enlightened? Baba said, no. He said, most of them aren't willing to do the work. Wait, wait, you mean there's work involved? Hey, it's not just a gift that he or I or anyone can just give you enlightenment? Well, both are true. That's the point of having a Shaktipat guru. Someone who can just give you enlightenment. But it's like if I pour water into your cupped hands, how much of it can you hold? Baba described it as us needing to expand our capacity. It was certainly true for me. Back then, I couldn't receive all of what he was giving. I would soak it up, eagerly face uplifted, heart wide open, hearing every word for a minute or 10. And then I went tilt. I would hit my capacity to receive. In my early years with him, I literally tilted, tilting forward and ending up with my forehead on the floor. Deeply immersed in a profound meditative state. It's called samadhi. Samadhi is the single thing that Patanjali focuses on in 196 sutras, explaining a process that takes anywhere from five to 20 years to get there by doing full-time meditative practices. Baba gave it to me in a minute. But I would go so deep inside, I didn't hear his words. My poor mind was overcome by consciousness, not transformed by consciousness, not saturated by consciousness, not illumined by consciousness, not uplifted by consciousness, I drowned in the river of grace that poured through Baba. Oh, I have no complaints. I was in bliss. Something happened to me in those meditative depths. When I surfaced, I was free. Not just my whole mind, but my whole being was clear and free, pristine, open, spacious. I loved the depths, and I loved to surface from the depths. 
Baba quoted Shankaracharya's Vakya Sudha, verse 26, in describing this inner immersion. Svanu bhutira sabe shadrishya shabdavu pekshyatu nirvi kalpa samadhisyan nivatastala dipavat. Baba translated it this way. When a seeker experiences the bliss of his own true nature, he ignores what is seen and heard and stills his mind like a flame where there is no wind. This is called nirvikalpa samadhi. It gives a name to the deep inner absorption, nirvikalpa samadhi. Samadhi is absorption. Nirvikalpa means you go inward, beyond all the outer sights and words, beyond even your own inner images and words, memories and fears. You enter into the deeper dimensions within, the direct experience of your own divine essence. Another translator described it as expressing unwavering soul vision. Yes, the soul sees the self. This steady and deep inner experience is likened to a steady candle flame in a windless place. I got this experience from Baba. He gave it to me with just a glance, just the sound of his voice, just by me sitting in the room with him. It was a promise for my future that I would live from those depths, but I had work to do before I could get there. What was that work? The work of opening up. The work of attuning my vibratory energy to his. The work of surrendering who I thought I was and who I thought I had to be so I could discover who I really was and am, the self. Baba gave the gift of self to anyone who came near. Yet I watched people ignore the gift. If their focus was on some worldly thing, they would ask him for it. I sat in his Ganeshpuri ashram courtyard one day and watched him give gifts to the many poor who lived in the surrounding rural area. For about six hours, he gave out brand new shiny buckets, cooking pots, shovels, and other household essentials. The line was continuous that whole time. We Westerners did our own version of that. We would go to him, Baba, my family, Baba, my job, Baba, my health, my wealth, Baba, I need help. I need help with these things. In the beginning, I sometimes asked for these things too. And grace came through again and again. Baba, he didn't do anything. He simply sat and watched us like the sun shines onto the earth, simply emanating light and heat. Baba gave off grace, the gift of the self, and everything else fell into place. Unless, of course, you decided to go a different direction. A friend of mine fell in love with a man. 
they went together to ask for Baba's blessings to get married. Baba said, no. What? How can that be? But Baba, I'm so much in love. But Baba, he's so wonderful. Baba, everything is so perfect. But Baba, Baba, but, but Baba. She married the fellow anyway. I don't know why she even asked Baba if she didn't want to hear the answer. They got married. It went well for a couple of years, and then it got bad. And when it got bad, she went running to Baba. I don't know what happened in their meeting, but I know what I would have said if she'd have asked me, he told you not to marry him. <laughs> Instead, it appears that Baba was very compassionate and helped her understand that she'd made a bad decision and she needed to manage it now. At the time, I was horrified that she would ignore a divine command. Now, as I look back at it, I see something I'd missed then, something so beautiful. She let down her guard. Even after she'd made a mistake and was caught in the pain of her own error, she let down her guard and went to Baba to ask for help. And she got it. Any area of your life that you keep hidden from the guru is an area where grace cannot flow. It's like you won't let the sun shine in. So obviously that part of your life won't get filled with light. You have to let your guard down if you want to receive. What's the best way to let your guard down? To give. When you give, you open the door and light shines in. I have had to learn this lesson more than once, I confess. I remember at one time being laid up, unable to work, renting a bedroom from a stranger, living on a very small monthly cash flow. I had so little money that I ate mostly potatoes. I figured the Irish blood in me would recognize the nutrient stream. Still, every day I received mail from one organization or another requesting a donation. I was on lots of mail lists. I decided that if I believed in what they were doing, I would send them a dollar or two. It wasn't much, but it was more than the mailing cost them. I figured if everyone would help out a little, maybe we could conquer world hunger and a host of other things. So I sent what I could. The immediate result was that I got more mail. And in just a few weeks, I was amazingly stronger and able to go job hunting. The first interview, I got a job making more money than I'd ever made before. And it was even a job that I liked. Plus, it turned out I got along well with my housemate, who became a great friend, even when I had enough money to get my own place. Everything turned around. All I did was give what I could. It changed everything. Krishna explains how giving works in the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 17, verses 20 through 22. Datavyamitiya danam diyate nupakarine 
Deshe kale cha patre cha tadanam sattvikam smrutam. Know that to give is good. A gift given to one who does nothing in return, given at a fit place and time to a worthy person, that gift is known to be pure. Sattvik. That's verse 20. I'm not going to chant all the Sanskrit for you. 21. A gift given in order to gain something in return or looking for a reward or given reluctantly is said to be fiery, rajasic. A gift at the wrong place and time or to an unworthy person or given without respect or with scorn is declared to be dark. Thomasic. You can probably find yourself in all three of these scenarios. You've given gifts for the right reasons as well as for the wrong reasons. Krishna says that your motivation for giving the gift has a backlash on you. Your own inner state is uplifted or not, depending on the reasons for your gift. When I sent a dollar to an organization, it was to help. That was pure, sattvic. I wasn't looking for a return or reward. Not thinking they would name a building after me or anything like happens with big donations these days. I just sent what I could out of respect for the work they were doing and trying to help them make a difference in the world. My gift uplifted me. I had no idea that was coming. And it's only in hindsight that I can see how the process worked. But it definitely worked. However, when you give a gift to impress others or to get them to like you or have a good opinion of you, you get all fired up. You've got a plan that they should feel and act a certain way. You want something back for the gift you've given. That's rajasic, fiery. And the fire will burn you. It wasn't a gift. It was a bargain. Worse, it was a bargain they didn't agree to in advance. Or if your gift is given out of duty or obligation reluctantly, without respect for the other person or even with scorn, you are pulled down by it. This was almost a daily opportunity for me when I lived in San Diego. It's one of the cities in the USA with the highest number of homeless persons, mainly because you can sleep outside all year round. Necessarily, they beg on street corners. I got to the point that I wondered, as I drove up to a busy intersection, what would be my motivation today? Would I give a dollar when they approached me or not? And why? There were times I got all caught up in worthy versus unworthy. That was before I saw them all as God. Now I recognize my own self in each of them. Yet I am able to assess if this dollar will help or harm. That's called intelligence. But I don't have to live with my guard up. I can use my intelligence to make a decision without having to hide my heart. Most people are focused on what they can get. 
If Steve Harvey comes around your neighborhood in a publisher's clearinghouse van, you're going to see lots of people on the street wondering who's getting a big check today. And hopefully, while they're all standing out there, one neighbor is saying to another, I'll dog sit for you while you're gone. Or asking one of them if they need help with shoveling the snow or mowing the lawn. You see, it's only when you give of yourself that you truly receive. Jesus said, tis better to give than to receive. It's true. Giving changes the giver. Another time I learned this lesson, sometimes, you know, lessons have to be done more than once. Another time I learned this lesson was at a Lakshmi temple. In India, I had become familiar with Hindu temples being power points, places of great energy and blessings. I learned that from visiting many sacred sites in India, even going through the process of learning how to act properly in the environment, like stepping in with your right foot, ringing the bell, bowing, and other things. But I kind of thought that only worked in India. Oh, and in ashrams because it was abundantly clear that my Baba brought that energy into his ashrams, both in India and in the West, I had lived in and visited many of Baba's ashrams. When I was on a teaching trip one weekend, my host invited me to come to a Lakshmi temple with her right here in the USA. I said, sure. It turned out that this temple was a small one, a little bigger than a postage stamp. You stood outside the temple door, bent over and looked in to see the statue of the goddess who was decked out in silks and flowers, clearly expressing her nature as the giver of abundance in all worldly ways. She was beautiful. So my mind said, she's very beautiful. And I got on my knees and bowed respectfully, and I felt a sweet moment of inner fullness. Then a thought arose inside, oh, I should give a donation, especially to Lakshmi. I fumbled with my purse and my wallet, clearly holding up the few people gathered behind me, but they were patient. As I pulled out a $20 bill and I wondered, ooh, can I really afford this? but there were those people behind me. So I went for it and I put the $20 in the donation box and bowed again. And I was bowled over with an incredible flow of energy, a great wave of bliss and blessings completely overwhelmed me. I couldn't raise my head for a minute or more. Seemed like an eternity or more. I gave a little. I even gave a little more than I thought I could afford. I balanced out the internal and external pressures at the moment and decided to give more than I would usually have given. And it opened me up to receive. Lakshmi was giving the same blessings as before. The divine goddess hadn't changed. I was the one who had changed. I opened up a chink in my armor by giving something that was a little dear to me. 
And she used that opening to overwhelm me with blessings. I remember the feeling still. I live in that flow of blessings, for I was trained in it by my guru. All I had to do was get out of my own way. And it still happens for me every time I bow. I get on my knees and place my head below my heart. And the grace washes in, emptying everything out. I love to bow. Especially I love to bow to my guru. Embodied grace, a connection point to the divine that shows you your own divinity. Unfortunately, it's possible that you're a leaky bucket. I've described my experience of grace in metaphors using light and using water. I said, I was drowned in the river of grace that Baba emanated and loved it. And at the Lakshmi temple, a great wave of bliss and blessings completely overwhelmed me. It's true. Grace flows. It's God's grace. Always available, but concentrated in the guru, which is why he's called the river of grace. However, it's possible that you're a leaky bucket. I pour and pour and pour and you get wet. You get saturated. That's why you love to come to satsang. But how long do you stay wet? you may have a hole in your bucket. Baba said we'd only get enlightened if we worked on it. So I'll tell you a little trick. A little trick that I learned about how to work on it. I learned this at a temple in India, a very sacred site, where I went to ask for blessings, blessings to help me get enlightened. At the temple, I engaged the services of a Brahmin priest who spoke English. He led me through some of the traditional ceremonies, which were very beautiful and very moving. It began with us standing on some stone steps leading down into a recessed pool, which had been filled by monsoon rains a few months earlier. He had me hold out my hand, and then he bent over, scooped up some water, poured it in my hand, and I stood there with water in my cupped palm as he began chanting mantras, but my hand was leaking. Water was dripping out between my fingers. He scooped up more water and filled my hand and continued chanting, but it was still leaking. I tried to hold my fingers more tightly together, but it didn't work. He scooped up water again and filled my hand. This happened several times. And then I realized I could simply tilt my hand a little bit. Tilting my fingers up and my wrist down made the pool of water rest in the hollow of my palm. No leaking. He chanted all the rest of the way through. And I learned something important. It's simply a matter of alignment. Just a little shift in my angle. And I was able to be a fit vessel to hold all that was given to me and given to me again and again for my Baba 
was greater than Lakshmi. He gave me so much. He gave it to me again and again and still does. For there were many years in there I kept leaking for a long time. And then I learned how to align myself with his generosity. I learned how to live in the river of grace. Om Swarupa Swaswa Bhava Namo Namah.